Welcome to the very first Barrel Rollers podcast. Uh, this is a introductory podcast with myself, Rain Dancer AU, Wolvie Three Five Nine One, and Audiophile. Just doing a little bit of an introduction as to who we are and uh, what our backgrounds are and what we're going to be talking about in the future. So, without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Okay. I'll go first with an introduction of who I am. Um, on Twitch, I am RaindancerAU. I'm from Sydney, Australia. I'm in my 40s, so I am a Gen Xer. Professionally, I have been an IT project professional, and I've been video gaming since I was seven years old on a Commodore 64. On Twitch, I'm known as uh, Wolf3591, um, and uh, I am a baby boomer, just barely. I was born in, in the late 50s, um, and career-wise, um, I've had two very distinct careers in my life, and those have, have shaped my path enormously. <laughs> my first career path was blue-collar sheet metal machinist, and all that goes with the industry. Um, so, and I call it blue collar. I use that term because I'm a baby boomer. <laughs> and my second uh, career was uh, at IBM in the Linux field, working in the white collar realm and, and all that is involved with IBM. So it was an amazing journey indeed. Um, and you know, coming into Twitch is relative to, to those two different career paths or into computers, period. So I, it, for me, um, computers weren't around when I was a kid. <laughs> it, it wasn't a thing. And so I learned computers at the end of my sheet metal career and just barely and got involved in gaming at that point uh, because I just became fascinated with, uh, with games. Uh, and computing in general. And then, of course, the natural progression was to, to, was to move into the industry, which is what I did. And so that's, uh, you know, it's pretty high level. That's uh, where, I've, where I've been and where I've come to. <laughs> that's awesome, Wolvie. All right. Well, my name is uh, Audiophile. Um, I have basically had this username, I guess you could say, uh, this gamer tag for, oh, probably the last 10, 15 years. I've been, I was born in 87, so I've pretty much seen the era of computers coming alive as I became a teenager. Um, and when it came to uh, career-wise, uh, I've been in the unfortunate path of being in customer service, which has been beneficial and also painstaking at the same time. Doing customer service since... Uh, I think I was about 18, so probably about 10 years now, maybe 15. Uh, and I've been doing call centers for the last 10. So I started off doing customer service with um, a fast food restaurant and then unfortunately moved over to uh, customer service in a call center. But yet I've been doing really good at it for the most part. My gamertag, Grain Dancer AU, has nothing to do with driving or cars, it is a, an homage or my way of paying respects to a first-person shooter called Star Siege Tribes. It was the first 
uh, FPS, but was online multiplayer only. It had no single player content. So a few years after that game, I started to play what was a, a spiritual successor to the game, and it was called Planetside. So I tried to choose a name that had a reference to something from Tribes. After thinking about the different names of weapons and factions from that game, I remembered a famous map from that game called Rain Dance. So I added VR to the end of a name and found that Rain Dancer, that name, would be already taken quite often when I was creating an, an account in a new game. So I added the AU on the end just to reference that I was from Australia. Most of the time I have no trouble securing that name. Uh, that's it. There are no other reasons behind the name. Uh, there are some really interesting connotations to the term Rain Dance or Rain Dancer that I'm happy to associate with, but it was not intentional. Yes. Um, so, so my gamer tag was created in the PS universe, so the PlayStation universe. When I first, you know, began gaming, it was indeed um, in terms of an official uh, player handle. Um, it was in the PS4 or not the PS4, but the PS universe. And I am um, just absolutely enamored with Star Trek. Um, all things science, science fiction. Absolutely love it all. <laughs> uh, I'm a nut. The very first book I read was uh, Lord of the Rings <laughs> at a very young age. So anything to do with science fiction and fantasy, I absolutely loved it. Regardless, um, uh, I'm very much fascinated with the next generation as a Star Trek series. Um, and at that time, Next Generation was was popular and current uh, when I created this uh, gamer tag. So I was trying to go for Wolf 359, which is the designated star or location for the battle between the Borg and the Federation. It was an amazing um, uh, battle uh, on the TV series, and I absolutely loved it. And so trying to create that name... Uh, Wolf 359, it was already taken, obviously, and so I just kind of played around and came up with Wolf 3591 as a way to get in. So it was really, well, it's kind of close enough, that's good, we'll go with it. But that name has been with me ever since. I've not attempted to change it. I do have a couple of um, alternate accounts, um, but Wolf 3591 has been the one I've, I've uh, run with uh, for many years, and I will continue to, to stay with that one. It's great. As a um, fellow... Trekkie, I recognized immediately for reference, and I loved it. I had wondered for a while what that reference was, because I figured there had to be something, but I just couldn't get it. Um, and I'm a Star Wars and Star Trek fan, so I'm not as knowledgeable in Star Trek, but I did like the reference. I had only wished that I could have gotten a little closer, so it would have been maybe more recognizable. But hey, you know, it's it's uh, it's sort of stuck, and and I like the uh, the the abbreviation Wolvie. <laughs> it works well. Or as speech to text like to say Wolva. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, my gamertag audio file is uh, it's kind of a unique story um, because there is quite a bit to it in a in a way as well. So. When I was about, yeah, I'd say 18 or 19 years old, um, 
I was over at my cousin's place and I was listening to music with them and dancing at the same time, like I've always done, as I've been doing as a kid. And my cousin noticed this, that I just absolutely got enamored and loved with music. So out of the blue, he just called me audiophile. Didn't get the reference at the time, um, but I really liked how it sounded because audiophile, single music. So it kind of stuck with me. So I ran with it. I did some research and then found out that it was the love and passion of high quality music, which is what I also really enjoy, but didn't know there was a term for it. So due to my love for music, the love for high quality music and being a gamer is is basically what made this gamer tag become reality. It is a triple word play that a lot of people don't recognize right away because it's audiophile, which is the lover of quality music, audiophile, which is a single piece of music, and it's spelled in lead speak, which is also a homage to that I've been a gamer basically since I've been a child. Oh, so nice. Very nice. And it's been sticking with me ever since now for the last, uh, I don't know, eight years, I think, something like that. Very good. Absolutely fascinating hearing um, hearing the origins of our gamer tags. I love it. I think mine is uh, how old is mine? Must be must be about seventeen years now. I've had mine. I had a different tag before that. Mine mm. started around the three hundred and sixty era, Xbox three hundred and sixty. So gives you an idea. Yeah, I'm probably about the same as Rain. Um, 17, 18 years, I would guess. Perfect story. <laughs> Go for it, Wolvie. Oh, very good. So so for me, um, how I arrived at actually um, being obsessed with sim racing. <laughs> it, and it's a real real simple story. You You all had an analogy at some point in your life or an event where it's changed the course of your life. Mine was literally tripping on a raised portion of sidewalk while I was in between my two careers, literally. So leaving the sheet metal career, blue collar work, I had just barely become introduced to computers, didn't know a damn thing about them and became obsessed with them and started to do my own thing at home, buying parts, building windows 3.1 machines, building windows 95 machines, got uh, pretty pretty good at putting stuff together and started building systems for friends and family. Um, lost my job in the sheet metal industry and I was only two weeks between my two careers. And I was walking through an industrial park, putting in applications at another machine outfit. Wasn't having much luck and I'm not paying attention to where I'm walking. And I literally trip on a crack in the sidewalk and I go down in a pile of paperwork and <laughs> cursing. And uh, you can imagine here I am on the sidewalk picking my crap up. And when I stood up and, and collected myself, I look up at a sign uh, of the business that I fell down in front of, and it was called quality logic. And I thought, huh, there's a little sign taped to the door, help wanted. And I'm like, you know what? What the hell? Let's walk on in here. <laughs> it's been a shit day. Let's go check it out. I walked in literally out of the blue and had a job that evening with this company. And their, wow. their, their uh, business was quality, doing Q&A for computer businesses. And they had a big contract for Hewlett Packard. At the time, 
printing cards, right, was the big thing. The Hewlett-Packard um, inkjet printers with the color and, and the, the card programs that would come with the printers when you buy them. And so we started doing compatibility testing for HP uh, with various window uh, or with various um, operating systems, with various computer configurations, with various uh, languages. So we were also doing local testing. And essentially, it was just taking the card program and running it through seven different languages on a Windows 3.1 machine, on a Windows 95 machine, find the flaws, typical QA stuff. In any case, that little trip on a crack in the sidewalk got me into computing. Eventually, I moved to IBM and became much more knowledgeable. And through that process, of course, gaming was huge. <laughs> and um, starting out with um, Colin McClay, Colin, Colin McRae Raleigh in 1998, I believe it was released. Uh, but my first love was Viper Racing, uh, 1998 also. <laughs> um, an amazing game, absolutely amazing game for the time. And playing that was that, a PS1 game, wasn't it? I, it was actually a computer game oh, okay. uh, back in the day. And it was released in, um, let's see, 1998 by Monster Games, Sierra Entertainment. And it, it literally received awards immediately when it came out. Um, but playing that game tested my hardware capabilities for my current computer set at that time. So then it became this path that we're all very familiar with. <laughs> that is better hardware, faster hardware to run bigger and better games. And so that's how I came to sim racing. Um, it was with that passion, learning about computers, what you can do, what you can't do. And of course, pairing that with my now new career in um, software testing. So <laughs> that's kind of how I came to sim racing to come to Dirt Rally. It started with, uh, with Dirt Rally, the original game, um, with a controller. Uh, I always played with a controller, uh, I think, for the first three or four months of Dirt Rally. And eventually bought a wheel and, uh, well... The path from there is fairly obvious. We we move forward to Dirt Two, and here we are. What got you? So so it was that Vipers Racing that made you interested in racing in general? It was. It literally was. I mean, I was already an auto auto enthusiast in terms of you know NASCAR and and racing as it could be viewed back in the day. It was only on live events, really, um, on TV. <laughs> And so the Viper Racing was was th this this way to step into that world um, for not very much money, and it was just it was amazing <laughs> the ability to control a car on a computer screen. I couldn't believe it. And again, this is coming from a guy who you know I didn't have the benefit of of being a child and being introduced to computers. This is uh, an old school guy coming into the computer world. So um, it was literally Viper Racing that, that set me off, and of course Colin McRae followed shortly thereafter. And what tipped you over the edge to go from a controller to a steering wheel? Uh, it was, uh, I'm glad you've asked that. It was a comment by RJF71. You guys uh, know him. He's been in my streams. He's one of my best friends and made friends with him on Dirt Rally. And at the time with Dirt Rally, you could not communicate um, via voice, right? It was typing. In, in a in a very brief chat window you had in between runs. <laughs> and so we would constantly trade back and forth these these uh, comments and insults, et cetera. And he made a comment. He says, I can't believe you're so fast. What kind of wheel do you have? And I said, wheel? What do you mean? <laughs> wheel. <laughs> and he's like, what? 
you've been playing <laughs> with a controller this whole time? Uh. <laughs> and he's like, Wolf, you need to get a wheel. He's typing these things. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should get a wheel. <laughs> and so that's what, what tipped me over the edge. It was literally his comment in, in the Dirt Rally um, chat window <laughs> that, that started me down that path. And of course, once you've had a wheel in your hands, there's just there's no going back. There's just no going back. It's just hilarious that um, in, in the earlier days, the Dirt Rally wasn't too long ago. But in the earlier days, uh, you know, when when you don't, when you aren't part of something that's organized or or the like, uh, the, the methods of communicating with your fellow gamers, even if they are somewhat strangers at uh, at a time, or if if you just don't have any other good way of communicating, it's funny how these things can still have a dramatic influence on us. Oh, yes. And, um, you know, the day that I met him was the, actually, I guess, the day that changed things for me because we had this wonderful um, banter going back. And, of course, again, with just text, <laughs> it was quite fun. Uh, so, yeah, you're absolutely correct. The, the communications back then have, are obviously radically different to what we have today. Um, and so t- today's uh, technology just technology just lends to making more friends, which is, you know, why we're in our community right now it's amazing that's very true it's so much of our community has came together because of our each individual love for racing or driving in general and the passion just feeds off each other that we almost get to the point we're all completely amped up because that's how much we love it oh indeed well nice one movie audio do you want to go next yeah so man i feel like uh i could probably talk about this for a while (laughs) which i'm gonna try not to but uh yeah when it came to you know racing games uh not just sim specific but just racing in general um oh god i've been i've been heavy deep into uh these type of games since i was a toddler really um i can probably think back as far as you know the original mario kart for instance um switching over to say like a little bit of a newer system with ps1 going into uh driver um gran turismo one and two uh n64 there was i i started to get into rally specific there was a a very rally a really good rally game back then i think it was uh i can't actually i honestly can't remember what the name of it is but um because of how little of an age i was i think i was only like maybe six or seven but i had a babysitter that would come over and he was what introduced me mostly to the n64 and we played uh this rally game a lot besides other lovely violent games um on top of that but um I got I got just jumped right into it. I loved it. I loved the the reaction of how it pulled me in and the, and the effects it had on top of that. Then um, with that, I would just play it nonstop, constantly trying to get better, trying to get faster, um, make less mistakes, crash less. Um, I got to the point where I even pulled my dad into it, which was a big thing because my dad's not a gamer. My dad's far from it, but he enjoyed it, just screwing around. Um, and that kind of helped seal the deal that, yeah, this is what I really enjoy. And then I just started, 
you know, building off of that more, played more arcade games. Then I really jumped into it with uh, Gran Turismo 3. I played that a lot. That was more sim racing. And then uh, the old school Forza before it became over what it is now, as we know as. Um, I've been playing racing games pretty much all my life. This is my love. This is my passion. Um, if I'm not racing, I'm into anything else that is automotive base. So if it's hot rods, it's classic cars, you've got high-end exotics, um, muscle cars, trucks, boats, anything that basically has an engine, you've got my attention. So um, I've known this for a long time. I love it for a long time. And Dirt Rally 2, for instance, was a big eye-opener because I've always been doing this game or racing games in general always by controller and this was the first game that not only did i want to really enjoy it because it was a more hardcore sim based game but i finally had the money to get a wheel so i bought my first wheel um which was an eye opener that was for sure and at the same time i was learning how to drive with the wheel I was also learning how to play Dirt Rally 2 the exact same time. There was no in-between. There was no starting with a controller. So that was a big eye-opener. Um, I got very frustrated. Right. and But in such a short period of time, I even had a few viewers were like, wow, you've had this like a month and a half and you're already getting really fast. So when I heard those type of comments and they noticed that I was not only having fun, but I was also getting pretty good at it, that's what I really started to love it. And then I only had to stop playing it because, well, I didn't want my monitors to fall off my desk. <laughs> it can get very, very active in a Dirt Rally 2 session, that's for sure. Fascinating audio file. Absolutely fascinating. It, it demonstrates the advantage of, of your age group. You, you were exposed to this early on. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Yeah, and and uh, really interesting to hear that you were acclimatizing to using a wheel and and also rally at the same time. Probably not the smartest idea I ever did, but it also helped me learn in a different way. The, the learning curve certainly becomes a lot steeper, I would say. But uh, as you go along that curve, you know you, you're taking big giant strides when you do progress you, know, you, mm -hmm. you you cover a lot of ground uh when you make when you step up to the next tier it's been a big step <laughs> i think i think oh, you yeah. can say for sure and since i've been doing racing games for pretty much all my life um i taught myself and learned a lot of different techniques um that when i even got my license for instance um, all that time racing as a kid, getting into that moment where I finally can drive a real car, played a lot into that, that by the time I finally learned how to drive and I took driver's ed, I was learning at probably four times as faster than everybody else, that even my um, instructor would come pick me up in his car and I would drive to the instruction and drive back and he had no problem with it whatsoever. And on top of that, when he finally told me that I was going to practice for my license uh, test, that's when I passed it because he was like, you're just that good. 
it, it is interesting. I've I've heard similar stories from people who started off with uh, sim wheels and then afterwards went to go for a license or or say got instruction on a track that um, the instructors have been quite impressed about how much skill or knowledge they already had and picked up. Because if you think about it, if you're doing it out of love and, and you're doing it maybe on a daily basis, but you're spending lots of hours every week doing it, you could quite likely get more practice in than somebody who's real life driving, taking driving lessons. They might not get the same amount of practice that you could get because of the sheer convenience. Whereas, you know, if you want to take a driving driving lesson, if it's not somebody in your family or a friend who's giving you that lesson, then you're paying for it and you've got to schedule it. You probably only get one hour, two hours maximum per week or something like that. Whereas that's that's an easy session at, at night if you're um, you know, after school, after work. So it's it's uh yeah, the the, the scale is is somewhat different there. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, even for my test, I still took driver's ed anyways, even though I really didn't technically need to, but because you're jumping from a feedback system that is a trigger-based to a pedal-based, uh, it's a lot different feedback. And then you also get the physical exertion from the vehicle finally moving that my first time driving when I was learning um, uh, manual as well as automatic uh, was interesting, to say the least. So that's really interesting because I, I have a... Um, you have the experience of of learning... Uh, driving techniques via a controller and then then having to, I guess, abstract that over into a a different control method, you know, with, with a wheel and, and um, the pedals and the shifter. Whereas my story with driving in general um, is inverted and, and, and Wolvie as well. Um, And on my first track day, I was, I was really hyped uh, because I'd watched drifting videos. Uh, Initial D had come out the year before. We're talking about 1999 here. And so I hit the track, and in my first lap, I think I spun out three times trying to drift. Uh, my instructor was yelling at me every single time. Uh, and, 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 and we're talking about a really short track here with maybe eight or nine turns. So I spun out for a third, a third of the, the track I was spinning out for. I spun off a track. And he turned around to me at the end of the day and he asked me if I had a PlayStation, to which I answered no. He then asked me if I'd heard of Gran Turismo and I said yes. And he said, you should probably buy a PlayStation and you should probably buy Gran Turismo because that will teach you a lot about driving. Uh, Which is so crazy exactly- that it actually does a lot. Really interesting. Does. Interesting. It really does, and and in fact, uh, I ended up getting an emulated uh, version of Gran Turismo, and I played it on my PC instead of buying a PlayStation, and so I actually played it on keyboard at first. Oh God. Uh, yeah, but still, 
there's a license tests and you pretty much have to apply driving techniques to to win for the most part not not entirely it's still a game at the end of the day uh but i I, after getting gran turismo i got hooked i i I bought a playstation from grant for gran turismo 2 and i kept at it still with a controller i bought a playstation 2 for gran turismo 3 um, I then, after Gran Turismo 4, I switched over to Xbox 360 with the Forza series because the Forza series had licenses to to all these other cars that Gran Turismo didn't, and I really I started becoming more and more of a car nut by this stage. Um, and I continued that way, uh, following the Forza franchise, not really interested in much else but Forza. The 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 Sims that I saw people playing with steering wheels they were all about race cars um and i really liked driving and and road cars and i felt these sims that had race cars i couldn't relate to quite as much and it was the same for rally i couldn't relate to the rally rally cars quite as quite as much and it, it literally got to the point where I think we're talking about Forza Motorsport 5, the original Forza Horizon, where uh, my my missus, uh, I was just starting to date her at the time, she turned around to me one day and said, why do you keep playing these driving games with a controller? Wouldn't it be better if you had a steering wheel? And that conversation basically gave me the green light to buy my first uh, wheel. Permission granted. Well yeah. done. Well done. <laughs> I'm quite surprised that she actually went forward with that. She she was the one who offered it. You know, she was said. She said it doesn't make sense. You know, that you're playing it with a controller. Wouldn't it be better to play it with a wheel? And so, of course, it would be better. But but uh, it, it's expensive. It, these things cost a lot. Now, some some background. My missus is an accountant, and so she's really. She she's really clever with money. She knows how to find bargains, and so when I said it's expensive, that triggered her to start <laughs> looking into how do I get one of these things for cheap, for for a good price. Uh, and it just so happened uh, a couple of weeks later there was a big sale, and I got my first uh, Logitech G920, and and she she even looked at it and said this thing it doesn't look like it's very high end it doesn't look like your real steering wheel it looks a little bit smaller you know looks a bit plasticky and and i said look for for my first wheel i know it's going to be different i know it's not going to be very much like a real thing i know i'm going to have to adapt to it so i want to be careful how much i commit to it and figure out how much i like doing this because i know it's not going to be just like the real thing um so yeah, I, I stepped into it cautiously, despite my very, very strong interest and and my my real life experience on track and 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 with um, uh, sports cars. I was still very cautious when I went into it, um, and I'm I was glad I I did at first because my initial experiences with that wheel and with Forza Motorsport Six were not pleasant at all. I was unhappy. Uh, until eventually I uh, I was on an Xbox only at the time. Um, my PC was in desperate need of an upgrade. I, I didn't upgrade it for about another year. When I did, I got a set of Corsa. I started to get other Sims to really 
feel the, the steering wheel properly and then i realized i would be hooked and one thing leads to another and i end up spending a lot more on sim gear and i realized that my main love was driving point to point rather than going around a circuit multiple times that led me to try out dirt rally one and, and your wife didn't kill you oh no 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 <laughs> indeed in, indeed she well there was there was another turning point where my real life car had gotten to a point where it was worth considering selling it and upgrading it uh, by buying a new car and i felt that i wasn't getting enough use out of my own car and that i'd rather spend more on sim gear and keep my current car and save a fair bit of money in the process that one she would rather have had a newer car in that that instance but saving money was also a good thing so she was okay to agree with that fantastic story rain fantastic i really like that your you know your wife you know, pointed you in the direction or something you had not considered before. And then basically went to the point of going, okay, honey, go ahead. You can buy this and just now, kept it, allowing you to go further. At what point did you decide to move on from Logitech? I mean, to obviously step up the equipment to, to get better quality equipment. When did you make that choice? So for me, uh, I knew it was something I desired, I would say, a bit over a bit over twelve months after um, acquiring the wheel, and when I had a little bit of a library of of titles that I was driving with a wheel, and I was using the wheel a lot more. I mean, almost almost full time, I was using the wheel, and there were places where the wheel was letting me down uh in particular with trying to drift which is something i did in real life uh with my r33 back in 1999 uh in fact the, the one thing i i would always try to do whenever i got a new game a new sim was almost immediately once i felt i had the, the force feedback sort of dialed in i would try to slide the car to, to see how close it was to my my track experience um and then my research led me to understand that uh there are, the hardware limitations of a logitech wheel mean that you need to compensate for the hardware limitations and and that got me thinking i i don't want to be continuously having to compensate i want my wheel to to behave the way I, uh, I expect it to. Um, so the wheel I have now, which is a Fnatic um, Club Sport version 2.5, it's not 100% either, but it's a lot closer to, um, to, to real life. I mean, it's not a direct drive wheel, but it is probably 80, 90% of the way there. You literally made the jump from Logitech to Fanatec. Straight to Fanatic, correct. Interesting, very interesting. There's often, you know, the stories of, of other sim races are, it's, it's sort of this three-step, right, where you do the Logitech and then you sort of land in the Thrustmaster universe and then moving forward to the Fanatec universe. So very for interesting me, to hear that. 
Very interesting. For me, I, I knew I was always going to end up at the fanatic um, side of things. I, I, I just, just looking at everything, I thought the fanatic has the features that I really, really desire. Uh, so what I did was, like I said, so it was about a year into my ownership of a Logitech that I realized that a fanatic was the way to go. Uh, I had just missed Black Friday. And so I, at that point I said, okay, I will save until Black Friday next year and I'll see what, uh, what, what I can get. And I'll commit at that point. So I, I waited. I, I bided. I, 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 I bided my time. What's the right? What's the right word I'm, I'm looking for here? Because because the, the the you say you bide your time. Can you say you bided your time? You bowed your time. What's the past tense of it? I think you've hit it right on the head. You bided your time. <laughs> bided my time. Uh, I I I saved up. I I did not attempt instant gratification which i could have i could have uh immediately gone for it but i i said okay let's let's see how things go let's continue to do uh the research and you know whatever the case happens my deadline is black friday and it was 2017 my deadline is black friday 2017 i'll see what comes up then and i'll go for it and so what i did was on black friday 2017 i not only bought all of the fanatic gear except for the handbrake that's the one thing i didn't buy um i also bought my um my sim cockpit the the next level racing gt ultimate i bought it at the same time uh because i i had a, a very um mediocre wheel stand that i bought off ebay and that's what the g920 was mounted to and i was i was quite dissatisfied with that uh so i i bought the lot and I spent four days, a, a long, long weekend, when it all arrived, uh, putting it together, all together. And it was, what a, what a weekend that was. How exciting. How exciting. I'm trying to remember how I came on to Twitch. Um, I think for the most part, um, I was kind of more so... I kept hearing... I, okay, I think I remember some of it in regards to the fact that I kept hearing Twitch getting mentioned a lot. Twitch was at the stage where it was starting to, it's been taken off for a while um, after it transferred from its old domain and it was starting to grow and grow. And it was at a time where people were enjoying it as well as they were really liking it. And I kept thinking to myself, who the hell would play? Who the hell would watch someone play video game? Like, what's the point i'd rather just go play the game myself and not watch someone else do it so you know i was in this mindset for a while and then i did my usual thing of go where i just said to myself eh, fuck it i might as well just see what the heck this is all about so i tried a few channels didn't really like it um i then decided to see if i could find something that i i you know a content of type of game i might like so i tried a few different games and then i would you know i click on someone random either they're popular or not popular and i just lurk and i'd lurk and lurk and lurk and go what you know what's this all about and i got to this point where um i discovered a few different people and just 
I started liking talking to them because I just I put myself out there and started to chat. And then we bounce off each other, and then I get I enjoy it more and more. So then it got to the point where I started to become part of a community where I chat to the same people over and over again, and then that grew and grew more, and I had way more channels than I could count, and then I just started growing, growing more from there to now where. I can probably jump between a good 20 channels, maybe 30. And as soon as I jump in there, um, they're usually pretty excited to see that I'm there because that's how much of an influence I've had. I just enjoy talking with the streamer, but also the viewers as well. So um, I started to watch more. Um, This is where I I kind of uh, discovered uh, Jovala in our um, community. Um, I found him through a different streamer who I can't remember now, but we connected. Then I found out he was a streamer. I watched him and I, I got to this point where, um, I was like, yeah, this can't be that hard. I wonder what it'd be like to try streaming as well. So I gave it a try and found out it's really not that hard. (laughs) The only difference is you have to talk a lot while you're gaming. Um, and, you know, usually you're in a game, you're just immersed into the environment. You're immersed into the story. So talking to someone else while playing a game was a different undertaking that I hadn't expected. But it gave a different source of entertainment while at the same time enjoying the game. So I had my entertainment, then I was entertaining them with me just being my weirdo self. And then at that same time, I was getting the entertainment of whatever topic that would come up so over a period of probably five years um i went from i'm never going to touch twitch to now i literally cannot get off of twitch which has been a very interesting road so you were um you watched twitch for like uh how many years until you decided to uh finally go live yourself i probably watched it for probably about three or four years uh probably about three i'd say and uh i just would stream off and on like when i felt like it which i still kind of do now i'm still working on doing it more regular um but the more i started to do a little bit more often the more i enjoyed it I see. Interesting. So, as as I said in my intro, I'm I'm a IT project professional. I uh, have been doing contracts for uh, the last the most recent couple of roles I've had have been contracts. Um, and as part of my interest in in sim driving in general, you know, I, I'm on YouTube. I'm 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 watching people on YouTube. And I'm learning that way. I also, uh, through work, uh, got into a, um, uh, a a little racing group. Only about six to eight of us uh, racing on weekends. And I quickly found that I had a lot of experience and knowledge to share with a group. Um, and sometimes repeating something over and over, taking screenshots and the like, you know, I'd, I'd do it several times and, and I, I'd, I'd think, well, why don't I just make a video about this 
and I could post it once and then everybody could just go watch the video and they could watch it as many times as they needed to. I wouldn't have to repeat anything because sometimes I'd even have to repeat something to the same person several times to show them, say, say as an example, um, you know, how to do something in content manager in a set of Corsa as an example. Uh, so I, I started to try to learn how to, um, do, uh, YouTube videos. And, and I, I, once I, I started to do that, I thought, well, maybe it might be fun to record some, some of my driving and, and post that to YouTube. So I did that. Then I discovered that, uh, you could also just do a live stream and you wouldn't need to do any video editing if you did a live stream. It could be saved to YouTube. And as I researched more about how to use YouTube live streaming, that is when I discovered Twitch. I actually had heard of it in the past, but didn't really have an appreciation of what it was or, or what people did there. And, and so I heard about Twitch. I created a Twitch account and I went and checked it out. But I felt that in terms of what I was interested in, uh, sim racing, sim driving, I wasn't really getting a lot of a content that I wanted to see on Twitch. And so I quickly, I created an account. I watched a little bit, but I found myself back at YouTube very, very quickly. And I didn't look at Twitch again. And it was only after I had a, another break from a contract and I thought, well, maybe I'll try being a bit more serious about making YouTube videos that uh, I realized maybe I could do some streaming to YouTube instead of making videos. And I did one test stream to YouTube and I watched it back and, and, and I did more research about streaming. And as I was doing the research about streaming to YouTube, I just kept on seeing stream to Twitch, stream to Twitch stream to Twitch everywhere. And I thought, well, I've got a Twitch account. Maybe I should give this a try. And so I did. I think my first two streams were, were more like test streams where I streamed and I might've had one, two viewers maximum. But the, my main point was to watch the VOD back and make tweaks. But it was somewhere along this, this line, I think maybe my second or third stream that I got my first follower. And I had people talking to me in chat and, and very quickly I had my second follower and my third follower. And I was like, well, there are people following me and watching me now. I, now I sort of feel obliged to continue. Um, and that's what set me on the path. I, I didn't watch a hell of a lot of Twitch before I started streaming. So uh, my journey um, with Twitch <laughs> was really um selfish and and self-motivated um so dirt rally was released uh december 7th 2015 and um after about three or four months i switched over to the wheel and i'm in ps4 at this point playing on ps4 and so to, to stream from ps4 is super easy right i mean it's just broadcast and you click on a button and you're offered two choices or maybe three. I forget what they was. And my motivation for doing that 
um, in PS4 and streaming to YouTube was strictly and solely to go back and watch the replay. So at the time, I was heavy into Pikes Peak, and I was getting top 10s in the world uh, for the various sectors on Pikes Peak. And I wanted to I wanted to view what I was doing from a different perspective instead of, you know, when you're in, in the heat of the race, you make mistakes, you don't realize what they are necessarily. And I wanted to go back and review that. I wanted to be able to look at that. So it was really motivated by just reviewing whatever race I was doing. And this was primarily centered on Dirt Rally at the time. Wasn't interested in Twitch. Um, the only reason I even knew of his existence was because it showed up in the broadcast window in PS4. <laughs> when I pressed broadcast, there was Twitch, YouTube, and I think one other choice in there. And um, so I did that. And I mean, I've, I created my Twitch account. I think it was um, February or March of 2016. Uh, and the only reason I did that was to try a different platform because I, I was somewhat frustrated with how YouTube processed th those streams from within PS4. It was a little kludgy and clunky. You didn't have much control over what happens. Um, <clears throat> and again, I was not interested in, in broadcasting per se to an audience. Um, it was just more about... Um, what did I do wrong on that run on Pikes Peak? What did I do wrong in sector three at the very last corner? Go back, study it forward, back and look at it and, and sort of take clues from that. Then I tried broadcasting to Twitch from PS4 and realized I had almost immediate um, viewers. And I'm like, and I have no mic, no camera. This is just raw gameplay on Pikes Peak. <laughs> And uh, it was it was quite interesting. I, I ended up ended up getting um, nine red actually came into my stream, and he was in Twitch at the time, and he was my first introduction to Twitch per se. And he's not, you know, nine red is is a, a fascinating individual, um, not heavy into broadcasting, but um, that piqued my interest in terms of Twitch, um, and so I started kind of messing around with looking at different channels out there, especially ones that were involved with Dirt Rally at the time. Um, and much like uh, uh, Audiophile, I'm like, who, who, why would I pay to watch somebody play? Why would I even do this when I can go play the game myself? But Nine Red um, fascinated me because I was learning from him uh, running Pikes Peak. And so just being able to get into a Twitch channel and then chat with the individual live that absolutely tipped me over the edge and so um you know the the life cycle of dirt rally started to die out a little bit so i backed off from anything related to broadcasting and sort of uh, fell into a slump with ps4 wouldn't broadcast anything else it was strictly for racing for me then um uh you know dirt rally 2 came along and by that time, I was a little more interested in, in broadcasting because my youngest son mentioned to me one day, he says, Dad, if you, if you just put a mic on and talk to people, you'll retain viewers. I remember I made a comment to him. I said, well, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I'll get four or five guys watching me, but then they leave. And he says, well, you, you, need, to, you need to talk to them. <laughs> you, you need to be entertaining. And I'm like, okay. So I, I put the mic on, and I think it wasn't even maybe two streams after that that Casual Kev 
TV came into my really? channel that, that quickly, that, that quickly casual Kev came into my channel and immediately engaged with me. And it was such a fluid flowing, genuine conversation while I'm racing. I just, I became infatuated. I'm like, wow, if you can create a relationship with somebody, a stranger over something that you both have common interest in on this platform, I have to explore this further. And it was, it was actual casual Kev that, that sort of encouraged me by way of his stream and what he was doing to, to go ahead and get a video camera and, and put up a video. And I mean, literally it went from streaming only once or twice a week for my own purposes to suddenly becoming a broadcaster, if I dare use the word. <laughs> oh, yes. So so you're definitely there, will we? I have, uh, I have Casual Kev TV to thank. And of course, subsequently I met Rain very shortly thereafter. Um, and it was just, you know, the progression was natural from that point. It, it just, I, I, at first I was incredibly nervous. I'm like, God, you know, your voice, oh, I, you, you hate to hear yourself. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and then I, I'm thinking there's no way I'm ever going to put myself on camera. I'm too shy. Not going to happen. But Casual Kev again gave me that encouragement and I threw that camera up and engagement started to come retention of viewers and then of course the progression of meeting the barrel rollers and and all that goes with broadcasting from there so it's for me never intended to be a broadcaster per se but i am absolutely fascinated with it now i've met so many wonderful people out there and i continue to meet more and i look forward to 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 continuing to do this with with other content obviously and and continue to develop the process so yes twitch amazing it has repurposed me in a way my children are are all off and doing their thing in their adult lives and this gives me a new outlet a new creative outlet which is absolutely fascinating for a baby boomer boomer <laughs> so that's my story. oh i hear that it's it's such a, a new and 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 uh really interesting way of of engaging uh, adding an extra dimension to your gaming without a doubt and I will say that, uh, like audio, I had this very same attitude. Why would I pay anybody? Why would I pay to watch anybody play? And yeah, that, that was my attitude walking in. Mindset. It, 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 well, it was meeting casual Kevin Rain where I realized the value of broadcasting and broadcaster. And I'm like, you know what? I would sub these guys. And I did. I just, it was, that was my, that was my step into the world of Twitch. And it was, um, literally, uh, just, it went from no way in hell would I ever do this to, wow, I love it. And I'm paying to, to watch people, yes. and supporting them. you know, and so, you know, I get the question, what is Twitch from some of my, my same age level friends? And I chuckle a little bit because I had the same kind of the same journey. <laughs> so that's my story guys. Thanks. Even lovely will be and even for myself uh as a gen x my people my age and even just a, a tiny little bit younger than me even a couple of years younger than me they still struggle to comprehend what twitch is, is. so it's a it's a fascinating thing it's it's a uh, funny having to yeah you know, I, I have been the, the, the tech guy for for as long as i can remember introducing tech concepts to to friends and family but but some of these friends that i have are, are, are super technical as well and i find it funny that i'm introducing this thing to them as well 
Yeah, I, I find it fascinating that you approach this more from an informational point of view, wanting to produce useful information for your community as opposed to just wanting to be a broadcaster immediately. So, you know, a great way to approach it. And that uh, shows, obviously, in your broadcast. It really does. Cheers, Wolvie. Yeah, it's yeah. it was it was different. Just a different different um, entry point, I guess. Um, a different motivation um, that that led to it. Uh, and and I guess you know what what you build off, uh, it, it 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 can really carry forward. I guess. And it's interesting too. And if you look at it when you're first getting involved, you know you can look at it and go. Well, you know, why, why would I do this? But then you think back to, you know, uh, a sport you're watching. So uh, football or hockey, for instance, are two of the most popular ones really out there that most people end up talking about. And a lot of the times you're, you're watching the game, but you're also getting immersed in it because of the commentary that these guys are giving. I remember that, you know, uh, NFL, for instance, a big one, um, Sir John Madden is a very influential voice because not only he has that unique voice, but his his knowledge behind the game because he was a player himself. He also the way he talks about it in different ways that it kind of gives you a more of an appreciation of the game that you almost end up basically paying attention more to him than do more than the game. Because he is that entertaining and he just he knows so much that gives you a different perspective in the game. So that Twitch almost basically becomes that same regards of entertainment that I'm more paying attention more to the streamer than the game because of their point of view or their knowledge or just their entertainment in that regards. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, indeed, indeed, and and, and it, it people come to Twitch for for so many so many different reasons. I think as as we've all been discovering during our Twitch journey as well. Uh, so in the future, uh, I think it, it will be uh, it behooves us to engage the community that we have and bring more people in to join the conversation particularly as we have uh, all sorts of big topics to co to cover uh things like um the past you know previous dirt uh, and rally not not necessarily, not necessarily even just dirt rally but previous rally titles previous motorsport previous sim titles we could talk about the history and we have some very experienced people in our community we have um people who have been sim drifting for years and even people who have been sim drifting on Twitch for years. Uh, we have people who are real life rally instructors who, who bring that experience and knowledge from the real world uh, into the sim world. We, we even have uh, connections with people who are real world rally champions. So I think it will be fascinating to to bring more and more people in, let them tell their story, um, and uh, you know, ask. We can we can get uh, all the questions that everybody wants to ask, and uh, present it to them. 
Yep, I would love time. to expand on that with um, streaming techniques, um, the various uh, platforms that that are available for broadcasters. Um, not necessarily an in-depth tutorial on any one subject, but maybe a an open Q and A for some of the most obvious questions um, that that are asked by by newcomers in the broadcasting field. Um, Certainly, we've got a lot of expertise in our community with re with regards to wrangling OBS and and handling um, sound uh, mixing and, and handling oh, all real. of the all of the variables that go into making stuff like this work. Um, so very, certainly, very, we've we've got some some folks I think that would be uh, fascinating for that, as well as the the art asset end of um, Twitch. It's it's huge. I mean, uh, you know, the, the little things can sometimes make the biggest difference in engaging your community um, or, or your viewership, as it were. And so we, we've got a lot of guys that are, are very talented, um, have great ideas of how to put these overlays together. I think that could be a, a fascinating conversation uh, subject at some point in the future as well. Indeed. I mean, there are so many components of a broadcast uh, as you as you outlaid and and uh, so many of us want to do more and more uh but you know we we all have our blind spots we all have our weak points so yeah getting all these all these uh special specialized and talented members of, of the community in uh would be a yeah a really yeah. good for 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 a lot of people to hear what they have to say um about things you know things that they know things knowledge that they can share and well. to that point, well, and maybe several episodes in, if we continue this process, we could talk about what it means to become an affiliate on Twitch. Without a doubt. That, that's that, a big that, project, that's a huge too, topic. That can lead to a lot, and that is your, your first big stepping stone to where do I want to go with this, and what yeah. can I do to get there? Exactly. And maybe just the experience of those that have gone before um, can be very useful. Um, I think I'd, I'd also, so, so we, we, we talk about the, the broadcasts of the streamers. I think I'd, I'd also love to have uh, people who have no intention to stream, people who are on Twitch just to watch, but they also very actively engage in the community, but they've got no intention to stream. I would love to have guests on to talk about what they uh, value in streaming, what they value in a in a community, and also their opinions as well on um, on the sim racing, sim driving uh, category in Twitch. I mean, it's, it's it, it, in general, it's growing. It's a growing thing. It's 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 small, and so a lot of us trail trailblazing. You know, that would be fascinating, actually, Rain, to have that perspective, right? I mean, what 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 does that individual look for in a streamer? What do they look for in content? What 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 do they consider good? What 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 brings them back? That's Indeed. fascinating, actually. That would be yeah, a really good. That's uh, a lot of thing budget. that you can really build off of because you know I've left a lot of streams because the stuff that I'm looking for isn't there. 
And if that is not there, then I'm missing out a lot of information that I have to go out of my way and ask you to get you to talk about it. And if you're not a very interactive streamer and I can't get that information, I'm going to leave because there's no entertainment for me and there's nothing for me to base that entertainment off of. Fantastic. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely looking forward to, to not only talking, you know, us talking about some of the, the big topics that face the community, that face sim racing, sim driving in general, that face Twitch in general. I look forward to also bringing in uh, other personalities to interact with and, and uh, to, to let them express their, their uh, thoughts and to share their knowledge with us. I think it's going to be, uh, yeah, got, it's going to be a great, great timing. We've got some old school iRacers out there that have been yes. doing this forever. They could be yes. extremely beneficial in, in sort of their perspective on this. Um, I mean, as you said, the old school drifters, we have, we have a community full of experience. We just need to tap those folks. Yeah. And yeah, what let, I would let them love have their... to see, which is a side that is normally not touched upon very much, is what goes in to bringing these games alive for us to enjoy. What oh. is what is the programming mm-hmm. side of it? What Fantastic. is the things that are involved to get the graphics just right? Um, how do we get the physics to react the way that we know it as a real driver in uh, comparison you, to um, there is so much that we would we could learn uh, on how the game operates that when we understand how that comes to be it gives us even a deeper appreciation for oh, that game and being a software QA guy i mean i understand intimately software lifecycle <laughs> and and how the entire development process worked um you know from a qa perspective so yeah fascinating subject um audio really is really is about perspective i think and to get these you know look at all these different perspectives that we can get uh i I think it it only benefits everyone to get these you know different perspectives on on what is going into all of this um and maybe we'll have a, a more harmonious <laughs> and, and uh, more um, appreciative and um, more relaxed uh, state of affairs because things can get pretty heated sometimes. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's merely due to a, a lack of un, an understanding and yeah. of, of constraints and, and, uh, and uh, challenges. I think the average gamer does not understand <laughs> what goes into creating a piece of software, developing mm. it, uh, testing it, all of, all of that. It's huge. It's huge. And it, it takes a, a lot of effort, obviously, to get a title to the market. It's uh, true. I'm, like, uh, to give you an idea, I've decided to try and dive into the world of game development to understand the back-end stuff that makes these things happen and you don't really realize that how hard it is until you go to try and make it yourself whether you're new to coding or you've known coding for a long time there are so many different things that you need to take into consideration to even get it off the ground let alone make it good and when you have that eye opener you really do have a fondness for your game more so than you ever did before 
I could do an entire podcast on the relationship between QA and developers. (laughs) That's a touchy subject, I imagine. It it is. And uh, on the QA side of that, obviously, we had to interface with the developers. And um, so it's an interesting um, aspect of of gaming that, again, a lot of average gamers just don't realize uh, Mm -hmm. or or are are uninterested. And perhaps we could, uh, you know, come up with a interesting Indeed. subject regarding that. So, Or even a big touchy subject too is translating the information of what the gamers say is wrong with the game and trying to put that into perspective of fixing the game are two different things. Yeah, exactly. With the, with the mentality of a uh, quality assurance in software, you have to write bug reports and you've got to be precise about what you're doing with the bug report. Um, so yeah, I, I would love to have a conversation about that with you guys one day. Sounds great. Right. Well, that wraps up the very first Barrel Rollers podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to it. Stay tuned to the Barrel Rollers Discord. We are going to be recording more podcasts. We'll be taking feedback and suggestions, uh, and we'd love to hear from um, anybody who took the time to listen. Thank you again and uh, see you again soon. Bye-bye.